Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron Sports Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is Ellen and Aaron. Good evening, everybody. It is the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Podcast. It is the final day of September, so it's September 30th, 2022. I'm glad to be back here tonight with uh, Allen on the program. I've been out the last couple weeks. Unfortunately, I was uh, out sick uh, last week, so Allen did a great job covering all the bases for me and really appreciate that. We appreciate our listeners as well. We've got a lot to get to tonight, folks, as we are in the final week of the Major League Baseball season. we got a lot of NFL news to get to, uh, as well as uh, some college football. We'll talk about very briefly there this evening. Uh, Aaron Judge in the home run chase uh, will also be in there as well. And, of course, uh, many other things in the world of sports that we'll discuss here tonight. I want to first start here tonight by um, sending some love out to our Central Florida uh, listeners and our friends and family as well. Uh, as the last uh, probably 48 hours or so have been really hectic um, with uh, with weather. Uh, for those of you who are listening in other parts of the country, uh, Hurricane Ian came through on Wednesday and really did some devastating damage to uh, a lot of Florida. And now it's up in uh, the South Carolina era, uh, area doing uh, more damage, unfortunately, up that way. Um, Alan and I are okay. Uh, we had some uh, minor damage here at my home where I'm at. I know he had some some minor things, I believe, at his home. He'll tell us more about that here in a moment. Um, I've seen friends and family posts online about different uh, different things that occurred. But thankfully, uh, we are safe and healthy. And actually, the weather has uh, turned beautiful here in Florida. Um, I want to bring in Alan tonight. Uh, Alan, it's uh, good to be back here with you. Glad that we are able to uh, have this enjoyment here tonight. Hopefully, we can entertain some people for a few, uh, few minutes here and uh, take their mind off of the other stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to be here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. This is one of the great things about having a show is that we can pay respects publicly to people and and definitely in prayers to anybody who's been affected by Hurricane Ian. I know that it really was one of those things that it's a hit or miss. It depends on where you're at. Up to South Carolina, I know some people there got hit pretty bad. Thankfully, me and my family are safe. It, the lights flickered about 10 to 12 times. We did not actually lose power. I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful that we didn't, you know, exhibit any damage. Everybody's okay, but it's definitely always scary when a hurricane comes through. I've been through my fair share of these over the last uh, 41 years, uh, especially the last 20 years or so. There's been a few more direct hits that have happened here, and this is pretty scary. I got to be honest with you. Um, you know, owning a home and and being responsible for what may happen uh, if God forbid the worst comes, you know, is a nerve-wracking situation. But thankfully, um, we were able to, by the blessings of God, get through it. And, um, you know, hopefully everyone recovers. I know that uh, as far as I can, as far as I've heard, um, you know, death toll has been very low, uh, which is a blessing because obviously a direct hit with storm surge and wind and, you know, things falling apart and trees coming down and that kind of stuff it can certainly get very dicey out there. And, you know, I happen to know people in pretty much all parts of the state of Florida. So I've seen people who were affected down South 
and then people here in Central Florida where you and I are, and then, of course, further east into Orlando and up towards Daytona and, uh, and all that. So uh, hopefully, uh, again, you know, people are, are doing okay. Um, you know, come out with your, your life, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that that's the case for, for most people. And, you know, damages are damages, things like that happen, and, uh, you know, uh, we can rebuild, and that's certainly a good thing. Uh, but here tonight, we're going to definitely, um, you know, try to keep people entertained. I realize that some people may not be able to hear us this evening just because of the fact that they may not have power. So we're certainly sensitive to uh, to that side of things as well. Um, we got a lot to get to. As I mentioned before, we are now in the final week of the Major League Baseball season. In fact, a week from today, the playoffs actually begin. And uh, looking at maybe one of the biggest pennant races out there right now because some of the other divisions have already wrapped up. You have the Mets and the Braves playing tonight, going into the first of a three-game set. And the Mets have a one-game lead. The Braves are leading five to one through seven uh, through seven innings tonight. So a win tonight, and those two teams are tied, which is a, a remarkable thing because if you go back to late May, early June, it was a ten and a half game lead for the Mets. They looked like they were going to run away with it, and that obviously has changed as Atlanta has actually held the best record in baseball since June first. Uh, to talk a little bit more about some of the things we're going to talk about here tonight, uh, including some of the NFL stuff, we're going to bring in our good buddy uh, from up there in New York, New Jersey area. That is our good buddy, Lou. Lou, how are you tonight? You know what it's, Lou? I'm, I'm here, yes. <laughs> oh, great. Caught you, caught you napping there. <laughs> I, I didn't hear my right. cue. I didn't hear my, I didn't hear my cue. That's all right. How you been? All right. Yeah, still thankfully, still haven't. Yeah. I was just gonna say, thankfully for so you, where you're at, again. no, no hurricane for you. No, no, but my brother's in Florida, and so okay. my, so I saw my colleagues. So uh, you know, it's a little from them, and I still haven't gotten through COVID yet. Oh no! Oh yeah, I remember yeah. you talked. We talked about that last week that you unfortunately. Yes. I got diagnosed, and you still haven't recovered? No. Oh, man. I'm sorry to hear that, Lou. I definitely pray that you get better. I really do. I know you told me about this last week. You know, if you don't mind me asking, are you vaccinated? Yes, I am. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just pray that you... uh, If I wasn't vaccinated, I think I'd be a lot worse. I mean, how is it now? You feel like you're getting, you're turning the curve, and getting better, or has it pretty much been the same? I think it's just been the same. I thought it'd be better by now, but nope. Oh, yeah. I know some people have those residual effects. Unfortunately, I'm sorry to hear that, bud. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, from everyone I've known that's had it, it's not been yeah. not been a pleasant experience. But I'm glad you're talking to us tonight. At least that's uh, certainly a Thanks. good thing. So. <laughs> What's uh, besides besides of course having uh, COVID and going through it? Uh, what's going on in your neck of the woods? Well, I mean, you know, like you were saying, uh, who would have thought a few months ago that, that it would be um, you know a close race from the Mets and the Braves? I mean, the Mets, you know, in the middle part of the season, they're going to run away with it, but then uh, the Mets had a bit of a slump, and Atlanta was able to take advantage of it, and look where we are now. Yeah, we're two innings away from Atlanta taking. Uh, or tying the division up and really having the momentum. I think that's really been the difference. Yeah. Um, their depth is, is certainly, I think, better. You know, the, the Mets' one-two punch with their pitching staff is certainly 
Still probably three. as good as anybody in the game, but the Braves, you know, they have a lot more depth there, and their bullpen, I think, is just a tick better. And offensively, I think Atlanta is a lot more uh, more of a deep team than the Mets are overall. So, No, I agree. I, I definitely do think, you know, the Mets <laughs> got to do whatever they can to, to win this series <laughs> because – the, the Braves do have a better team, you know, and just yes, just by watching, they just have a better team. Uh, it's amazing what the Mets have been able to do. Not knocking the Mets, you know, we we've had um our great friend Darryl Strawberry who played for the Mets on our show, but not knocking the Mets. But I do yeah. feel as if the Braves are a, just a better team all around. I think a lot of that comes down to uh, also, you know. Throughout yeah. a 162 game season, you're going to have whether it's nagging injuries, you know, somebody who can't play up to their normal potential because something's right. wrong with them, or you know, you look at Ozzy Albies uh, who broke his foot. I think it was back in early June. It might have been early July. I have to go back and look at the exact date. He comes back here in mid, uh, what was it, uh, mid September or early September, and the, the the game after he comes back, he ends up breaking his pinky and he's out for the regular season. So. Yeah, it's a tough thing when you lose a player of that caliber. I mean, this is a guy who hit 30 home runs and steal you 30 bases a year, and he plays a premium defense at second base. Right. And in his absence, you called up this young kid who's 21 years old named Vaughn Grissom, and he has been just absolutely outstanding. He, he, it's like they didn't miss a beat there, um, plugging the hole at second base. And you've had some other pieces that have come in too. You know, it's not always an all-star player or a big name. Sometimes it's those lesser-known guys uh, like Robbie Grossman, who they got from the Tigers at the trade deadline, or you know, going out and getting uh, Ray Sale Iglesias from the Angels uh, to help out in your bullpen when you noticed that there was a need there. Sometimes it's those smaller, if you will, repairs that make a team better. Yes. Not necessarily the you know we're going to go out and get that big sexy name that make uh, make a difference overall. Mm. Yeah, you're right. And and really the only the only series that's really close is the Mets and Braves. Everybody else kind of pretty much ran away with the division. Yeah. That's the only one that's really up for grabs. Everything else is accounted for pretty much. Yeah. The good thing is both these clubs are going to the playoffs. It's just going to be determined over the next few days who's going to be in mm-hmm. what spot. You definitely want to win your division because, you, yes. especially if you're either number one or number you two, home advantage. you get the home advantage. You get to pick who you're playing against. Um, so there's some, some advantages there. I like it when it's competitive all the way down to the wire because it keeps you on your toes, yeah. especially when you get into the postseason. You're already used to having played that kind of baseball, and you know what that feeling is like, and it's it's just more uh, recognizable to you. And also, if you're playing that well down the stretch and you end up winning your division close, you're a hotter team going into the playoffs. That's why Atlanta was able to win last year, um, even though they were an underdog pretty much in every series. So – um, but that's going to be fun. Next week we'll be talking about the playoffs and who we think is going to have won the MVP in each league, Cy Young in each league, those sorts yeah. of things. And then we'll be able to pick who we think is going to win it all based on who gets in. So That's right. That's going to be great. Great to see. Yeah. Great to, it's going to be exciting. And definitely for the Mets, hope they should try to win that division. Because, <laughs> you know, for, for teams that – or fans of teams that won't win the division – Hey, the Marlins have came from wild card team and won it. There have been teams that were right. on the outskirts that have have won. So 
if you don't win the division, it's not the end of the world. It's just a tougher road to the championship. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, you talked you mentioned the Marlins there. They won in both uh, '97 and '03 as a wild card team. The Red Sox in '04, uh, you know, the Great Yankee Collapse. That was a wild card team that the Red Sox had that year. It is a little bit different now because back then there was only one wild card team in each league. Now you have, I think it's two in each league, and you have a much, much more difficult uh, gauntlet, if you will, ahead yeah. that you have to go through. You really have no home field advantage at all in any situation in the playoffs if you're a wildcard team. Um, so it's going to be more, more challenging. Um, and we'll see if in this new era with the, the new playoff uh, setup, if there's a team that can dance through that. Yeah. And, uh, and I know that you're on the disabled list there, Lou, but are you planning on having a show tomorrow? Yes. All right. <laughs> my man, yes. COVID is not stopping my man. Love it. No, always wasn't my guest. If I was on my deathbed, yeah, that probably would, but no. So wow, we'll discuss, that's... of course, the um, – well, we have our calendar events, which we do uh, every month. We'll take a look at the standings that's uh, for baseball. Uh, we'll look at judges' uh, phenomenal year, of course. See if they'll break 62 before, this, uh, before the game was over tonight. <laughs> we got, uh, we got first college and pro football. Uh, I got some NASCAR news involving a certain uh, driver who's about to hang it up. Hint, hint. So, <laughs> yes, and those of you who are paying attention, and I know you're all racing. You pretty much know who it is. So, uh, but I'm not going to reveal. Not going to tomorrow to call. So we have all that and more on the Enhanced Sports Show tomorrow, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Number to call is 512-543. <laughs> Four six six two. That's or five five five. Give me a doctor. No, that's five one two five four three four six six two. That's from five to seven p.m. Eastern time. So if you got time, hopefully you'll call in. On that note, yeah. I'll say good night. All right, Lou. Have a good night. Best wishes to you and get well soon, buddy. Many prayers to you. We really appreciate you. Yeah, definitely feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember him telling me last week. Wow. But definitely we prayed at Lou, great friend and great attribute to our show that he gets well. And as you can see, he's muscling through it with COVID. So many prayers and wishes to our good buddy Lou. And definitely we want to pray to him and we want to give props to our sponsor. I'll let you take it over, Aaron. Yeah, we are uh, very fortunate on this program uh, for the last, uh, what, eight or nine months to have been uh, sponsored by uh, Chef G's Florida Barbecue Sauce. It's so delicious and addicting that uh, you may need a support group. And, you know, here's the great thing is even if you have no power in your house, which you're probably not listening to our show if you don't have any power, but even <laughs> if you don't have any power, this is a great thing to have because it adds flavor to pretty much anything. Even if you're not cooking something, it's something you can, you know, dip chips in or, you know, um, many other things you can, um, you know, use it for. I personally love to have it on French fries. That's been kind of my go-to uh, for the last several months. So we definitely appreciate Chef G. He has been a great uh, partner here for us on the show, and uh, we certainly love what he's got there. And here's a big thing. We're uh, now past Labor Day. We're into the uh, fall stretch. We're coming up on um, 
what, about uh, two months or so, or less than two months from Thanksgiving. And I would say this, as Thanksgiving approaches, start thinking about maybe having some of that Chef G's barbecue sauce available for Thanksgiving, uh, maybe even for Christmas as well. It's going to make a great uh, great addition to uh, anything else you may already have. So uh, definitely check him out. And I do believe, Alan, you have the website uh, on your end. Yes, definitely. If you can be so kind and pick up a four-pack, everyone here at Aaron Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show, as well as Chef G, would greatly appreciate it. It's flbbqsauce.com. And it's flbbqsauce.com. Dot com. Don't forget that sauce. And definitely, we really appreciate your Chef G's Florida barbecue sauce. You are number one. Absolutely. So tonight, as we mentioned before, we've got a lot of big things to get to. We already kind of hit the baseball stuff. Uh, that'll take care of itself here over the next uh, few days um, as, um, as uh, the season winds down here for 2023. Hard to believe it's gone by as quickly as it has. And, uh, you know, uh, Lou mentioned there before, this is actually one of the things we wanted to talk about tonight, is the remarkable season that Aaron Judge has had with the New York Yankees. I think he's definitely um, the top MVP candidate in the American League. And he's at 61 home runs now, which ties him for most all-time for a single season for the New York Yankees, of course, tying Roger Maris, who in 1961, along with, uh, of course, Mickey Mantle, they both uh, went for the record that year, and Maris ended up getting it with 61 himself. Um, I want to go into your thoughts on this. You're, first of all, a Yankees fan. You've been a Yankees fan for a very, very long time. And the Yankees obviously are a very historic team. Obviously, historic home run hitters have played there. Uh, great players have played there for you know for 100 years now. So I want to get your take first on just Aaron Judge in general and then kind of go into the subjects about him that we want to discuss here tonight. Yeah, it's really remarkable what Aaron Judge has, has really done as far as a season. You know, he's very impressive as far as the way he carries himself. I know that he came in when Derek Jeter was kind of moving out, but he's it is one of his people he looked up to was Derek Jeter, and he carries himself in press conferences, very similar to the way Derek is, all professional, but very courteous. Definitely, I knew he was going to have a, a great year this year because – you know, he passed up on a lot of money, kind of bet him on himself that he's going to have a great year. I did not see a year of over 60 home runs. You know, I thought he was going to have somewhere around 40 or high 40s, maybe low 50s. But he's having a remarkable season. Wherever the number ends up, you can't take away from what he has done. It's, it's a lot of pressure when you're going after these records. You get the spotlight, and the spotlight stays on you. Some people just cannot – handle that type of attention, being that you also are in a pennant race and also you're in a contract negotiation that started beginning year, stopped now, but it's going to start up again. A lot of stuff going on, a lot of pieces that are pulling you. Absolutely remarkable season. Definitely in my opinion. And what Chipper Jones said, I saw an interview that Chipper Jones did. He said, send that MVP to New York. I don't think I don't think I know Shohei Otani is doing great big things. In my opinion, not just being a Yankee fan, just being a person who's observing this, I really don't think it's that close. I know that Shohei Otani is doing some great things, but I don't see a guy who's nowhere near a pennant race, where the guy's in the middle of the pennant race who's actually carried the team 
just a tremendous – this has to go down as one of the best seasons that someone has actually had from an AL right-handed batter. Remarkable. I'll talk more about our topic and the home run chase in just a moment, but I want to get your thoughts on what you thought or thinking about Aaron Judge. Well, just to piggyback on that last thing you said there, um, one of the best seasons a right-handed hitter in the American League has had – I would say that the best season that any right-handed hitter has had in the American League in 10 years because of how close he is to potentially winning the Triple Crown. It probably won't happen. He'll probably lead the league in both homers and RBIs. Well, he'll definitely lead the league in home runs. Um, batting average isn't going to quite get him there. He's an MVP, in my opinion. Uh, should be unanimous. I know there will probably be a few voters out there that will give Otani um, his due. So it's not going to be unanimous, unfortunately. But I don't think there's any question. If I had a vote, he would definitely be the MVP. There's no question in my mind. And what a year to have a career season when you're going into your contract year. I don't know that he's going to be a Yankee beyond this season. I, I, I get the feeling that there's no way that the Steinbrenner family is going to let this guy go. Um, but I do also think that, you know, at this point, you know, this is the one time in your career where you get a chance to test the free agent market. So the possibility of, you know, him – Taking a, a bigger, better deal somewhere else is definitely out there. We've heard the Giants. We've heard uh, possibly the Angels. You know, you talked about him maybe going out there to play uh, alongside uh, Shohei Otani. That could possibly happen. Um, but as far as players, I mean, here's the big key, I think, to Aaron Judge. This is not a guy who just suddenly could hit this many home runs. I think the last couple of years, unfortunately, he's had some injuries that have kind of nagged him along the way that have kept him from being able to be his full, you know, true self. And, this year, finally, all the cards fit in the right place and things are, you know, going the right way uh, as far as, um, you know, as far as uh, his health's been concerned. And that's been a huge thing. That's, that's helped propel the Yankees because there was a time this year where they, out of the gate, Alan, were one of the best teams in baseball. And they went through a really, really dry time, basically from the, the uh, all-star game area on, where there was a time when it looked like the Rays might catch them and and overtake them in the AL East, and obviously they righted the ship and were able to get back on track. But um, no question that this guy has been the most consistent player on this team all year long. The rumors of him maybe being the next captain. You know, the Yankees haven't had a lot of captains over the years. It's a very special honor to have that. The last one, of course, is Derek Jeter. I think this is the perfect face of the franchise. You, know, you talk about how he came up right about the time that Jeter was leaving or a little bit after the time that Jeter retired team because like you said he off the field does the right things as well he's the face of the team so you know as a non-yankee fan i'm even saying this i hope he stays there i think it's a perfect place for him but if he does go somewhere else after the year it's also understandable no i couldn't agree more i definitely think you know he's earned the right whether the chips fall where he goes someplace else or he stays in new york i think new york is a great fit for him it fits his style well he's used to the big light I think sometimes when you take yourself out of that situation, you kind of hurt your status a bit. I don't see him leaving New York. I think the Steinbrenners are going to definitely be forced to kind of pay him well. But you never know in free agency, someone could pay you more. So I don't think he's going anywhere, but I definitely think if he does, hey, he's in, you have to enjoy the moment. You have to enjoy what you're doing right now. I really do hope that he does stay because I think he's a great fit there and a great leader. I wish him the best if he doesn't, but he's doing big things. And the year's still not over yet. 
He's still got to actually break the record. He's tied with the record. And then we have still another season left, which is the postseason. So it's a lot to be tur- still done this year, but he's doing big things. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that, you know, this, this season that he's having right now reminds me to some degree because of the fact that he was also on a playoff team in 1998, the year that uh, Sammy Sosa had with the Cubs in 1998, uh, 24 years ago. The Cubs were an exciting team. They had gone the previous year 100-plus losses, if I remember correctly, and then they made the playoffs in 98, and they had the great home run chase. Um, that would have been the only thing I think that would have made this a little bit more exciting if there had been another player, you know, whether it was on the Yankees or, you know, somewhere else in either the American or National League that had put up similar type of numbers to make it more of a, a historic home run chase. Because I think the closest guy to him at this point in either league only has, like, I want to say 41 or 42 home runs. So it's not even close. I mean, he's won the won that battle by, you know, 20-plus home runs yeah. at this point. But uh, you're absolutely right. And, and here's the thing, you know, as a fan of any team, you know, people will like to, to cling to this kind of thing, a guy setting a home run record or, you know, putting up a historic season. At the end of the day, that'll be the only thing that's going to be remembered if that team ends up falling in the playoffs, especially if they fall early. So the big thing I think for the Yankees, and I've kind of said this throughout the season, is they got to get their pitching situation kind of set up for success going into the uh, next week or so because, you know, these playoff series, you have the best pitching of every team that you're facing out there, and all it takes is a team getting hot, and sometimes those teams that you thought were going to be better than they were, they fall early. So, um, you know, as much as Yankee fans love what he's done right now, I guarantee if they fall in early on, you know, you'll hear some boos, unfortunately, out there. And, you know, here's uh, one other thing I'm going to throw in there, too. not saying he's on the hot seat, but, you know, Aaron Boone, who's been the manager of the Yankees for the last, what, five years or so, you know, an early exit from the playoffs, Don Mattingly just uh, decided to not stick around with the Marlins beyond this season. I kind of think there might be some stuff going on in the background if the Yankees do fall out early. Yeah, you definitely don't want to fall out in the first round. That's the that's actually, believe it or not, that's the round that I think most Yankee fans, including myself, are most nervous about is the first round. Not even getting the second round. It's really just that that first round is historically, especially over the last you know twentieth century, the Yankees have not fared well, and so I, I just really hope that they do. I hope that they they kind of like the poor plays behind them. I agree with you on the triple crown. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be tough for him to get. It's not impossible, but he had a, a stretch between when he got sixty to sixty one that is kind of tough for him as far as average and getting hits, but. I just hope that they don't lose in the first round. I think if they get past the first round, they'll be fine, but that first round has always been a doozy for the Yankees. Yeah, no, I mean, you look at some of the teams they've had in the past, and they they got knocked out in that first round. You go back to uh, 2007, that was uh, Joe Torre's last year there. Uh, They played the Cleveland Indians that year, and Cleveland had a good young nucleus of players that had finally figured it all out that season. In the Yankees that year, they had um, Java Chamberlain uh, in the bullpen. Obviously, um, you still had some of the bigger pieces there. And unfortunately, you know, it didn't materialize. Uh, And then, of course, they made all the changes with, you know, Torrey leaving and uh, several other moves that happened. And, you know, obviously, you know, it was a disappointing thing for them. And, 
know, that first round getting knocked out then is always uh, a difficult thing. And, you know, my team has uh, had that happen too. You know, we went from 2002 all the way until 2020 with losing in the first round uh, in the playoff series that we were in. So I, I can relate to that. It's not a fun thing to lose uh, then. Uh, it's, you know, somewhat heartbreaking to some degree, but yeah, that's kind of how baseball goes. So um, I know that one of the questions you posed too about Aaron Judge was, uh, you know, being home run champ, obviously he's going to be that this year in the American League for sure, and of course all over baseball because nobody's even close in the National League either, is, is uh, the assessment that Roger Maris Jr., uh, stating that he believes Aaron Judge is going to be the true single-season home run champ. Do you agree or disagree, or is it not that simple of a yes or no question? I, I, you know what? As much as I respect what Mar- Roger Maris Jr. is saying, let me just say this. I know that it wasn't easy for Mar- Roger Maris's dad. It was, it was not a, a record that was well-received because people did not want – it wasn't like a Hank Aaron where it was kind of race-related – People did not want to see people, someone break the Bay's record, and especially not Roger Maris because they kind of felt as if he was an outsider. Just for the people who don't know the history, they wanted Mickey to get it. Yep. Roger mm-hmm. Maris was kind of like an outsider. They did not – they were purely hating on Roger Maris to not break this record. He was losing here. He was being stressed out. It was not an enjoyable time for him to actually break this record. Very high stress. You know, it wasn't good for him at all. You know, it, whereas Hank, it was this as well as race-related. This was not race-related at all. It was just people didn't want to see the hero record being broken. And I understand that his son was old enough to understand some of this at the time. I get what his son is, is you know, his dad. I, I, I understand what his, his son is getting at, what his dad had to go through. He doesn't feel as if someone should break this record and kind of have some strife the way his dad did and i get it having said that i respect what roger maris jr said i would have to respectfully disagree i understand what you're saying that those other guys sammy sosa barry bonds as well as mcguire all have more than 62 home runs have they all done something to get it kind of illegitimately yeah i wouldn't argue that but at the same token it is the record I remember when I was going for a sales record, my supervisor, we had conversation that we felt as if the person I was competing against was cheating. And he said something that was actually very intelligent. He said, well, Alan, if you want to beat them, you got to beat a cheater. It's not fair, but that's what you got to do. If you're a person who's trying to get that home run single season record, you have to beat, you at least have to tie or beat Barry Bonds. Whether you like it, loathe it, or hate it, that's just the reality. If you go to a Google search, you type in who's a single season home run record, you'll say it right now, Barry Bonds, but it'll say Aaron Judge has had a very impressive year. He's had a very impressive year. I would definitely say that, and I'm a Yankee fan, but I would not say that he has the home run record. I'm just sorry. I wouldn't say that because, yes, he did do it illegitimately, but it's still in the record books. So that's my take yeah. on it. What is I, your take on it? I agree with you. I agree with you 100%, and it's hard to say that. And here's, here's where the cheating element comes in that, that makes it even worse. So you think about a player, and you could name Barry Bonds, you could name McGuire, whoever, that probably never needed to use those substances. I think we could all agree those guys were pretty good without it. 
But the question becomes, when did you start taking it and what effect did it have on your true numbers? So there's, an, there's a question that we can no scientifically way possible ever know the answer to, right? So same thing comes with this. So, okay, so now we're starting to think about, okay, another guy having a, a great season. Well, whether he hit 62 or he hit 65 or 68 when, when it's all said and done here over the next week or so, it's still not going to be more than 73. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to hit 12 home runs in the next week. I, I'd be awesome if he did, but, you know, then there'd be no doubt about it. But um, le, 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 legitimately, that's not going to happen. We, we're not going to see him get pitched to that many times to even have a chance to get to that number. So I think the thing that, that in my mind, what I was trying to get at here is when there is a cheating element involved, it makes even these legitimate conversations about a guy who seemingly has done everything the right way, it makes it even harder to have that conversation because – in your mind, there's that big question mark of, did this previous player, how many of those home runs that he hit that year were impacted by the fact that he was doing something he should have been doing? So um, I, I would say this, if you want to make an asterisk next to his name, if he hits 62 or however many he ends up finishing with, that he is in the, uh, in the PED testing era, the most home runs, you can make that comment. You can make that statement. That'll be in the Hall of Fame at some point, I'm sure, at some point. So... I mean, you can make those comments, but here at the end of the day, 73 still stands. I don't like it any more than anybody else does for the most part, um, but that, that's, that's the way it goes. That's the way the number is, you know, recorded. And, you know, I will say this. If you're comparing Aaron Judge and his personality and his, um, you know, demeanor and those sorts of things to the other guy I mentioned there before, Barry Bonds, it's no contest, you know. Aaron Judge is, is seemingly much better as far as you know, being able to be handled and being able to be talked to and having a fair conversation. Bonds was known to kind of be rough with the media. And yeah, in fact, he was very rough with the media, probably one of the roughest uh, guys you know, from that era for sure. So um, character, I, I would say that Judge definitely wins in that area, uh, area as well. Um, but at the end of the day, no matter how you dice it, 73 is still currently the record. Maybe, hopefully, somebody gets there and beats it someday. But right now, that's how it stands. No, I agree. I couldn't agree more. It's it's one of those tough things that you have to discuss. You know, it it sucks for Roger Maris Jr. and his family. But this was a big topic this week. And, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, 73 is the record. Whether you hate – whether you could be a San Francisco fan, actually, and really love the fact that Barry Bonds has 73 home runs. Not everybody hates Barry, but at the same token, Barry's got the record. I mean, the record is, like you said, unless he hits 12 this week, which is going to be tough. I mean, it was hard for him to get to 61. Hopefully he gets 62 the way, he, the way he's going, but he'll get to 62 and beyond. But he, he, won't, he won't have the record. Like, I understand you want to look at it in your eyes. It's not, it's not, you know, legitimate. Yeah, I mean, Barry has never hit. 50 home runs in a year besides the year they hit 73. But I, I just think, definitely think it's a tough conversation to have. I understand where Roger Maris Jr. is coming from. I respect what he's saying, but I would also have to respectfully disagree. The record is 73. You can't just discredit. It's not just Barry's got to hit more home runs. It's Barry, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa. So yeah. Aaron, Aaron will be as technically underneath the record what the is number four. 
And I'm talking about single season yeah, home runs. You have uh, Bonds at 73 uh, in 01, McGuire at 70 in 2000, or sorry, in 98, and then Sammy with uh, with 66 in 98. Remarkable seasons, and I get where Roger Maris Jr. is coming from. And I'm not saying I don't disagree, uh, don't disagree with him or agree with him in some ways. There are things I certainly understand, and he's in a hard position. I mean, look, this is a guy who you go back to 98 when McGuire set the record, and of course uh, Sosa eventually passed it as well. And, you know, obviously he and McGuire had a friendship at that point. In fact, McGuire went over into the stands at Old Bush Stadium uh, that year and actually, you know, had a conversation with the Maris family. So, you know, I, I think that from his perspective, which is a different perspective than everybody else, I, I get that. I sort of see it from both sides, to be real honest with you. I, I can sort of understand his his side of things, you know, and, and where he is looking at it from. It's just – it's not as easy – in my opinion, the hardest thing about these kind of discussions or topics is it's not a black and white issue. It's a gray issue, and there's so much gray area when it comes to, to these records with you know the legitimacy and the doubt and all that kind of stuff. It really, really makes it difficult. It does, and I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot about that where Mark McGuire gave him a hug and and embraced him, and then you know find out later it wasn't what it, what it looked like, so to speak. But yeah, he, you know, Roger Maris Jr. is in a tough position. I know it was tough for his dad. I, I've watched a lot of the history. It, it wasn't fun for Roger Maris breaking this record. It really wasn't. Stress, stress, he's losing here. I'm glad that it's not the same that Aaron Judge is going through. You know, that's at least a, a sigh of relief. But I understand where Roger Maris Jr.'s heart is at. I get what he's saying. But yeah. Aaron Judge is not going to have the record in the record books. Might have it in your eyes and your view and the way you look at it, but as far as that record book, it's not going to be Aaron Judge. As, as remarkable a season he has, taking nothing away from him, this is one of the things that unfortunately, you know, Major League Baseball has to blame some of this too. His name is in the record books. Barry Bonds, 73. Well, the nice thing is, um, if he hits one more, he will be the all-time single-season homer and uh, record holder for yeah. the Yankees, and no one can take that away. And here's the nice thing. You think about the great home run hitters that have played for the New York Yankees over the years, and I'll name off just a few here. Obviously, Abe Ruth. I mean, that's, there's no better home run hitter in Yankee history than him. Uh, but single-season-wise, he had uh, 60. That was surpassed in 1961 by uh, the late Roger Maris. Uh, that year, Mickey Mantle hit 58. I mean, both those guys were, were making that chase there uh, that season, which was such a remarkable thing to see. But even some of the great years that A-Rod had there, I mean, he had some really, really, uh, really solid years overall. That was a, uh, a great run that he had. Um, MVP award in there at one point as well. And you've had some other really great seasons uh, home run-wise. But um, just think about the history of that team and the fact that here we are a hundred plus years, you know, later when that team started and he would be, or he will be here eventually standing all alone at the top. So that, that's pretty, I, I think it's a pretty cool thing. I don't think you can really go wrong with that. No, you're right. I mean, you're exactly right. He's going to have the most home runs by a right-handed hitter. He'll have the most home runs in Yankee history and he'll have the most home runs in the American league. So yeah. all in all, and you're in the middle of a pennant race, and you're going to have a big contract and a fat contract, whether you stay in New York or not. So life is great for Aaron Judge. 
either way you look at it. Yeah, no, that's 100% correct. So, well, a lot of a lot of baseball we talked about here tonight. Uh, we'll have a lot more of that to discuss next week as the playoffs uh, begin um, in both the American and National League with the wild card uh, level or wild card round of the playoffs going on, and we'll be able to again make our predictions based on where uh, where the cards all land next week. So, um, want to get into this here tonight. This was something that I watched last evening, and it wasn't more than a few minutes after I sent you a text message thing that I felt like the Miami Dolphins were the number one team in the NFL. And unfortunately, um, a week or actually less than a week after uh, suffering a, or at least what was thought to be a concussion, Tua, last night I had a devastating injury, uh, head and neck injury that is, and um, it looked awful. I I haven't seen anything like that in all the years that I've been watching football where his hands kind of curled up. You could tell he was in excruciating pain and obviously had to be stretchered off. We don't know yet how long he's going to be out for. This could be a very long duration. I got to ask you, what were your thoughts uh, when you saw that happen last night? I I was scared for him. I really was. And, you know, it put in perspective how violent, how this game is in football. It's just, I felt scared because that was definitely brain trauma from his fingers getting locked up. I was worried for his health and his safety. I was like, you know, like, wow, you know, like, and I felt as if I was, then the blame started to come in. Like, okay, he was just out on Sunday. This is a short week for the Dolphins because they had played the Pills. They had to play the Bengals, which is, you know, the Bengals starting to put things together now. They did go to Super Bowl last year. For those who forgot, but the point is he got pushed down and he fell on his neck and he was kind of like in a concussion protocol, but they let him play this this Thursday. I, I started going to like, why would you let a guy play so quickly when he got concussed? Then they said it was his neck, his back, and his neck. But if you watch the replay, you can clearly see, no, it was a head injury. I'm talking about Sunday. Then he's mm-hmm. playing this game Thursday which was just, he just got slammed to the ground. I mean, this was like, the one on Sunday was very minor compared to watching what you saw on Thursday. Thursday, he got by a linebacker, 350 pounds. We all know how strong those guys are. Threw him to the ground, and he landed head first to the back of the head. And when his fingers curl, I had watched today an interview from a doctor, and he said that it was obvious brain trauma, that's what happens when you have a sudden rush to your brain. Like your, 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 your body, there's too many signals that your brain is sending that you get numb. And that's what happened with Tua. And I'm glad that before the broadcast was over, the Dolphins updated that he, was, he could remove all his extremities. He was conscious. That was a sigh of relief getting that news. But I, I was scared about him totally i'll get more to the discussion about what i feel next but what were your thoughts when you saw it was very concerned because obviously you know during the week there was a lot of controversy as to whether or not he was actually in the concussion protocol why he was being able to play and the fact that they hadn't updated the media which was i think i think that's part of the protocol is to to update the media so that way you can let the other team know and all that kind of stuff as well so 
all that stuff was a head scratcher. And then, you know, you saw him make some really good passes last night. Uh, some of the passes deep down the field right before this happened were a little bit off. You can tell he's got a great arm. He has a quick release point, which has always been a criticism of left-handed quarterbacks, that they're not very fast. I'll be real honest with you. I, my favorite quarterbacks in my lifetime have always been left-handed quarterbacks. So I'll go back to my younger days of Steve Young, always a, a great quarterback to watch. You think about uh, Mark Burnell, um, you kind of mimicked uh, some of Steve Young's, um, you know, uh, attributes in his career. And then the best one out of them all was Michael Vick. And I think this is the best left-handed quarterback to come along since Michael Vick, which is saying a lot, but not saying a lot at the same time, primarily because there's not a whole lot of those left-handed quarterbacks in the league. You can count them on one hand usually, but he, he is certainly um, a player that I've rooted for since he got drafted by Miami a few years ago. And to see this happen, this might be career ending. I mean, we don't know. We don't know what the full effect of this is going to be. So I'm really hoping this is something that he recovers from. Um, they give him the right amount of time off. They follow every protocol to a T. Um, his health is more important than the club. Um, I will say this on a side note. I think that the Dolphins made a good decision to go with Teddy Bridgewater as a backup because his skill set to that offense fits fairly well. It's a good, good thing to have a backup quarterback can come in and play uh, in the same type of, uh, of mode, if you will. I think that helps out Miami. Um, I think part of the reason they lost last night is they got behind early and never really recovered. But also, after this happened, your mind isn't completely on the game anymore. You're starting to think about your friend, your, your quarterback, the leader of your club, being injured, and you don't know what his status is. So I think that hurt them a little bit too. But um, it does concern me to think about how, you know, you go through a four or five day period, not even a full week. And after having what was considered or by some people looked at as possibly another um, concussion type of situation, how he was able to play and how maybe that impacted him, um, you know, and how that might've made this situation even worse last night. So a lot of question marks. I think there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, things that are going to have to be answered by the NFL, by the Dolphins, by the head coach, uh, Mike McDaniel. I think that, um, you know, there, there's going to be some, some definite, definite things that are going to be under the microscope over the next several weeks. So just wanted to break in here, too, real quickly, some uh, breaking news here tonight. <laughs> National League East is now tied as Atlanta has just defeated the Mets 5-2. Uh, both teams are now tied for first place in the National League East, and it's now been considered that whoever wins this series probably wins the division as there's only uh, now five games remaining in the season. So um, that's just some baseball news that uh, just broke here a moment ago. Uh, back to the NFL. Man, I tell you what, there were some really good games this past week. I wanted to uh, introduce a new segment that we're going to try to do every week on the program, and it's based on the NFL. Um, and that's going to be the three winners and the three losers of each week, and that's not necessarily a player. It could be a player, it could be a team, could be a coach, could just be a general storyline. But I want to get yours first, the three winners and the three losers of week three in the NFL. So that would be anything other than what was played last night, last Sunday, uh, Monday night, of course, Sunday, and last Thursday night's game in the NFL. What are your three winners and losers? I would have to say the winners – I'm sorry, let me start with the losers first. Let me start with the losers first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say the Bucks 
the Bucks and Tom Brady was was a big loss. I felt as if they were being outplayed in that game by the Packers, but I do feel as if they had a chance to steal a game, and particularly Brady not getting the play in for the two point conversion. You know, you kind of see this thing with, with Brady where his age starts to catch up with him, where he'll have a mental lapse. We had this, you know, last year when he thought it was he had another down to go, and he was like, hey, can I get a – can I buy another down? You know, you – no, you were out. So I thought the Bucks, they really kind of dinked and dunked the whole game. And that's good in a way that you're taking safe, safe passes, but I do feel as if Brady has to take a shot down the field every now and again to keep the defense honest. You have to take that shot. I know that you didn't have any one of the big receivers there. I get it. But I felt as if the Bucks had an opportunity to steal a game against the Packers, and they didn't at home. That's a game where their defense was stellar. You kept Aaron Rodgers to 14 points. You have to find a way to win that game. I felt the Bucks and Brady was a, a, one of the bigger losers of the week. The next loser, I thought, was the Raiders. The Raiders now 0-3. You know, it just takes a loss here, a real close, close loss against the Cardinals, a little game you should have won, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're 0-3, and they're having meetings now every day. I think that was a, a big loser right there, the Raiders, and I think the other loser was the, the Patriots, losing Mac Jones for an extended period of time. So I, I, those are my three biggest losers of the week. I'll get to winners later, but what are your thoughts? No, those are good points there. And I would, um, I would go through, and it's not in any particular order, uh, but I would say the, the three losers of this past week. I'm going to start with the Raiders, just like you did there. I, I agree. This is a team that obviously went out and they brought in Josh McDaniels as head coach. His second uh, time as a head coach, he, of course, uh, coached the Broncos back uh, a dozen years or so ago. And only made it through a little over one season before he got dismissed. And I really think, you know, they went out and, and traded a lot to get uh, Devontae Adams. They had a fairly good team in place already. And it just feels like they have taken a giant step or several giant steps in that fact uh, backwards, uh, which I think definitely is uh, very, very hurting, um, you know, to them. And I just, I feel like, and this is one of the surprises I was going to throw out there, I feel like Josh McDaniel's job may be on the line already uh, here, even this early in the season in this first year. It's really incredible to think about um, that it may have gotten to that point, but I, I tell you um, just a, a crazy thing to think about that with all that talent they have there, that they may be in a position where they have to, you know, make some considerations again. And, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. Obviously, you know, there's still a lot of football left to be played, but things are not looking good there. My second big one here, and it's not necessarily the fact that they lost the game. It's the fact that part and the wheels came off completely, and that is the Washington Commanders. I really felt like this team bringing in a veteran quarterback uh, in Carson Wentz uh, to kind of, you know, formidably put the, the offense and put a stamp on it was going to be the right decision. He got sacked nine times Sunday. Uh, by the, the Eagles. The Eagles are, are a team that I think are, are in a great position. They are playing extremely well, but I would say the commanders and, and more even, even than the franchise 
there's starting to be whispers about Ron Rivera's job security there in Washington. And, you know, here's the thing about Washington. We know this from a political perspective. You only get four years sometimes, you know, before, you know, people might say, hey, we don't like you in there anymore. So, you know, this is his fourth year, I believe, or his third year in, uh, in Washington. And I tell you what, they pay a lot of attention to their football there. That's a, a, a city of historic uh, football fans, obviously, um, you know, over the, the long haul. They've had some great coaches that have come through there. You know, obviously no one's going to beat uh, the records of, uh, of one Joe Gibbs, of course. But um, I would say Ron Rivera is in trouble. If they don't turn that around here very soon, they may be looking for a different, uh, a different leader there in, uh, in Washington. And then my, my third, um, I, I sort of agree with you on the Bucks. I mean, that was a game that could have really gone either way. And I think if Tampa had an extra minute, not less than the clock, or an extra possession – they probably win that game. I think that's very, uh, very likely. But I would say the the third um, loser on this was the uh, the not the San Diego, but the Los Angeles Chargers um, playing against Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a team that's you know up and coming, obviously. But the Chargers are supposed to have that year. This is the year they're supposed to get over um, over those things. And I think that really. Um, to lose that way. I'm going to throw a fourth one in there because this is actually who I meant to say on my third is I got to throw the Chiefs out there. I mean, they, they, they had some issues on the sidelines where Pat Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy were yelling at each other. I think there's some issues that are deeper than even just that there with the, the Chiefs right now. I know they're two and one, so that's not a bad spot to be in. You're at the top of that division. It's a very winnable division. But once you start having issues where people are bickering at each other and nobody's on the same page or seemingly that's the case, wheels can fall off very, very quickly. And let's not forget that the Chiefs got rid of one of their best players in, uh, in Tyreek Hill this offseason, and I think that's changed the dynamics of that offense. And look, your quarterback is your leader offensively, and then you have Eric Bieniemy, who is your, um, your offensive coordinator. And if those guys aren't getting along and figuring out how to make things move going forward – it might be a long rest of the season there in Kansas City. So we'll have to kind of have to see how that plays out. So I would say they, they are my three, four um, loser for the week. So uh, what are your thoughts on each of those? I thought there were great choices there. I, I think you, you did a fantastic job in nailing up those teams. I'm glad you brought up about Kansas City. I mean, they are sitting good. Two and one is very good to be in in the NFL right now. But I would – have a little bit of difference on some of the teams, the winners, you know, I had the Dolphins. If you're looking at just up to Sunday, the Dolphins mm-hmm. are definitely winners. Three and oh, beating the bills at home. I mean, I know it was hot and the bills, a lot of the bills players said that <laughs> it wasn't fair that the other side has the shade. We don't. And it was hot that day. I kind of knew that the bills were going to struggle because of the heat. But, man, the Dolphins were flying high up until the end of Sunday. And I do believe, just to say a side note, I do believe the Dolphins are to blame, and I don't think – I do believe Tua's career is, is in high jeopardy. I, I would seriously doubt he comes back. Let me just tell the, the fans one quick thing. I did have a boxer that I interviewed who had neurological issues where he was just basically one good hit away from having a serious traumatic brain injury that was not recoverable. And I don't want to mention her name. I see that same thing in Tua. I think he has a kind of weakness with brain trauma. And I don't think, I think this is career threatening for him. 
I really do. That you cannot. He is one good hit away from having something serious happen to him, and that's not a good position. Your health is your wealth. So I did say the Dolphins were a winner up until <laughs> the end of Game Three. I felt as if the Cowboys. Actually, I hate to say it. I'm not a Cowboys fan, and sometimes the Cowboys fans <laughs> be obnoxious. But to pull off a win on Monday Night Football against the against the the Giants, I know they're not the best of teams, but you know what? The Cowboys pulled it out. A win is a win is a win. I think they have a very good winnable game this coming up week. So I would have to say the Cowboys were one of the big winners of the week. And then the Eagles. Eagles are flying high, and they're the only undefeated team in the league right now. So they would definitely have to be a winner. The Eagles are doing big things. So those are my three winners of the week. No, those are solid picks across the board. And I agree with you on Miami. I had them as number one for a number of reasons. First of all, at that point, they were 3-0. and They came back late, and that's a big sign of a good football team. You know, you can have a great start to a season where you blow out teams early on, but when it comes to those close matchups, when the clutch situations come up, you make up on empty, and they rose to the occasion there. So I'd say they definitely were a winner in my book in week three. Um, probably my number two would be uh, the way that the Packer defense played against Tampa Bay. That was a great game all the way down to the final minute. And here is a tough thing for me. You and I are in the same fantasy football league. I have both Tampa and Green Bay's defense uh, as my defenses on my team. And I, I was kind of struggling to figure out who I should pick to start in that game. I, I started Green Bay, of course. Um, didn't win my game, unfortunately. But, I mean, couldn't go wrong either way. 12 points for one team, 14 points for the other. So I definitely give Green Bay as, uh, as one of the uh, three. And then absolutely correct uh, as well, I would definitely give um, – would definitely give the Eagles uh, props there. And more importantly, or more, more so than the Eagles, the doubters that Jalen Hurts is starting to prove wrong. No, it hasn't been a whole year yet, but a lot of people were writing this guy off before this year even started, that this was going to be a tough year and that things were going to fall apart. Now, granted, that can still happen, but to this point, he has silenced those doubters and been able to, um, been able to put up some – really good numbers and, and throw the ball really well too. Um, he did that very well in college. And so now we're seeing him do that, uh, you know, here at the NFL level and, you know, keep in mind, he replaced a, a really good quarterback that they had there in Philadelphia uh, in, in uh, Carson Wentz a couple of years ago when they decided to draft Jalen Hurts. So it's even nicer for him to see that that is seemingly paying off now. So those are my three winners uh, for the week three. We'll have the same segment again next week. And, um, you know, Feel free to discuss if you'd like. If you want to call in and have uh, you know, your three winners and losers as well, we'd be happy to get you on. Our number to call in is uh, 516-418-5572. Again, that's 516-418-5572. So uh, now we're going to get to our NFL picks for the week as week four is uh, now upon us. Neither of us did well last night, Alan. We both picked the Dolphins, and the Bengals ended up winning. Um, let's go ahead and look at the rest of our schedule. Go ahead with who you have for – Week number uh, week number four. Yep, we did. You're right. We we missed the Dolphins pick. Definitely prayers again to Tua to continue to get better. But we have the Vikings versus the Saints. It'll be a, a actually very important game for both teams. I had the Vikings winning this game. I just think that with the Saints now losing another quarterback, 
The defense is stellar, but the offense is still in question. I got the Vikings winning. Who do you have? I've got Miami. Or Miami. I've got Minnesota as well. I feel like they are. I think they're going to challenge Green Bay this year, at least early on. Uh, you know, who knows how things will go through the stretch of the season, but I think early on they they appear to be a complete team for the most part. So I, I definitely have them uh, over the Saints. The Saints, I think that they have the right pieces, but again, health is going to be an issue every time. And when you don't have players on the field, it's hard to win. So I definitely pick uh, Minnesota in this game. Okay, so we agree on that one. Then we have the Browns versus the Falcons. Browns actually got a pretty good start, 2-1 against the Falcons. I actually have the Browns. They actually – I watched one of their games. They actually not they're pretty good. They still have rough run edges, but I got the Browns beating the Falcons. This is one of my upset picks. Uh, actually, I think it's my only upset pick. I'm sorry, it's my my uh, one of two upset picks for this week. I have the Falcons at home. Um, okay. I just feel like Cleveland has kind of lucked out with a couple teams that have kind of collapsed at the end. Atlanta has actually played a lot better than their one and two record. They might be one of the better one and two teams in football right now. Even though they're a very young team, they're trying to figure out their identity under a younger head coach, uh, second-year head coach there. And I, I just feel like they have some pieces, though, that can really be put in place. Their defense is a little questionable in my mind, but I feel like the Falcons are going to surprise some people and win this weekend against uh, Cleveland. Yeah, so definitely that's a good solid pick there. So you got the Falcons. And now we have the Commanders 1-2 and two versus the Cowboys 2-1. and one. This, I, I'm like Stephen A. Smith. I'm, I'm sometimes going to be a Cowboy hater, but I'm not going to be a Cowboy hater this week. I actually have this as a lock pick. I have the Cowboys definitely beating the Commanders, going 3-1. to one. Who do you have? Well, I'm not putting this as a lock pick, but I definitely have the Cowboys in this game. I just feel like uh, Cooper Rush has actually done a really good job as uh, as the quarterback filling in for Dak Prescott. In fact, this might create a quarterback controversy down the line if he plays uh, any longer. Uh, rumor, of course, has it that Dak may be back here sooner than later. Um, but I, I, I see the Cowboys as well. I just feel like the commanders right now, especially if Dallas's defense can get to Carson Wentz, they're going to have a tough time playing on the offensive side of the football. Their defense has improved somewhat. Obviously, that is Ron Rivera's specialty, but I see the Cowboys winning this game at home. All right. So, so we got that the same. And then we have the Seahawks versus the Lions. This actually was a tough pick. You know, the, the teams I don't think are as bad as their record shows. But I, I just have the Lions squeaking this one out. I have the Lions beating the Seahawks. Yeah, I've got Seattle in this game. I feel like the Lions have won their one game for the year, so they're doing their good deed for the 2022 <laughs> season. I just can't see them winning this game. The Lions find ways to, to have a lead or be close in the game, and then they find some way to screw it up every time. So I feel like with uh, Seattle, you know, Geno Smith obviously is getting his opportunity. This may be his last chance to lead a team and I feel like he's going to rise to the occasion here in Detroit and, and help the Seahawks win this game uh, coming Sunday. Uh, next game is going to be a big one, too. I like this matchup. It's a battle of AFC South teams. you got the Titans at 1-2, and two, and they might be the best 1-2 and two team in the AFC right now, against the 1-1-1 one, one, and one Indianapolis <laughs> Colts, who just pulled off a, a big uh, late win against the, um, against the uh, Chiefs uh, this past weekend. That was, of course, one of the things we just talked about a moment ago. I've got the Colts in this game primarily because it's at home, and I now think that the Colts have some momentum 
knowing that they can come back and win a game against a good football team. What are your thoughts there, and who do you have in this game? Yeah, I do like what the Colts are doing. Big win for them. I just feel as if the Titans have to break out at some point with Derrick Henry having a big game. They got to get their offense going. And I feel as if this is – they match up well against the Colts. So I have the Titans beating the Colts, the 1-1-1 one, one, and one team. So I have the Titans pulling out a tough game. Now you have Derrick Henry on your fantasy team, I believe, correct? I do. And he – He's had that one pretty okay game, but he still hasn't been the Derrick Henry that we know of. Yeah. Well, I have Jonathan Taylor on my team, so this is going to be an interesting one just from a fantasy football perspective. That'll be interesting to see. Hopefully both running backs do well so we can uh, score some points on uh, either of our teams. Um, this is a matchup I don't think anybody thought would be where it's at the next game. It's the 2-1 and one Bears on the road against the 2-1 and one Giants. This kind of reminds me of a mid to late 80s. Uh, bout between these two clubs. Yeah. Obviously, the Giants are are maybe one of the more surprising early good starts uh, in the National Football League, and the Bears to some degree too. I mean, you have three teams in the uh, in the NFC North that are two and one to start the season. I'm going with the Giants just because I feel like this is a home game um, against against a good team, obviously. But I feel like the Giants have a little bit more um, solidified on their side of the ball. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Giants in this game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, this one was actually a tough pick, too. The Bears and the Giants, two and one teams, teams that are coming up. I do have the Bears winning this game. I just feel as if offensively they have a little bit more firepower than the Giants. Giants rely heavily on Saquon Barkley, which is not a bad thing, but I just think in a game like this, you need to have a little bit more. I just think the Bears have a little bit more, and I think they're going to end up pulling out this game. So the Bears actually beating the Giants. I think it'll be a good close matchup. I think it may even come down to a last possession or a late turnover uh, in this one. So now this next game, I'm going to put everybody on an upset alert. You have the two and one Jaguars, maybe uh, one of the more surprising starts as well. And they're going against the last undefeated team in the NFL. That is the three, and zero Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to pick the, the surprising upset here in this game. You have a little bit of a storyline here, up and coming team in Jacksonville, two and one start. Uh, you have uh, Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles uh, just what, four or five years ago, going back to face his old team for the first time in Philadelphia. And I think that the, uh, the, the Jaguars are really starting to come together. They've, they've kind of found a winning formula, if you will. It's going to be a close game, but I really feel like Jacksonville is going to find a way to surprise everybody and pull this one out. Yeah, Jaguars are doing big things. They are moving in the right direction. And so are the Eagles. I just think the Eagles are clicking right now. I definitely do think the Jaguars are going to give them a very tough game. It's not going to be a shoe-in, but I just love what the Eagles are doing, both offensively and defensively. So I got the Eagles winning against the Jags. Another great matchup is the next one here, the Jets and the uh, Steelers, both one and two teams. This game is in Pittsburgh on, uh, on Sunday. I've got New York. They're better than one and two record at this point. I think they um, they they could arguably be two and one or maybe even three and zero. Oh. They've had a couple of games that they didn't play very well in towards the end, uh, but I've got the Jets are searching for an identity. Yeah, Steelers have been disappointing this year, and they haven't been the team that we know of. That you know, with solid defense, solid running, I feel as if they're going to have a breakthrough game at some point, 
and I feel as if it's going to be this week against the Jets. I have the Steelers beating the Jets. All right, we're going to have some separation after this week since we're uh, not agreeing on a lot of these games. I know right now I have a five-game <laughs> We was a five-game lead in the uh, in the standings, if I'm not uh, I'm not mistaken, uh, going into this. Yeah, six-game six lead. I'm sorry. Um, six-game so lead. Change, right. Yeah, this is going to change drastically one way or the other. We're either going to be close again, or uh, I could potentially be very, very far ahead of you. But we'll see how that works out uh, here after week four is over. Uh, another good matchup is the next one. This is one that um, kind of has some playoff uh, feel to it. You have the two-and-one Bills coming off a tough late loss where you had their offensive coordinator, uh, you know, getting all angry up in the booth there. Uh, they're going on the road to Baltimore to play the two-and-one Ravens. I have the Bills winning this game. I think this is going to be a very close game. This is probably a very tough pick as well. It is a very tough pick. It is going to be a great, great game. I definitely see the Ravens doing big things, but I just feel that the Bills have too many weapons, more in their natural element. I'm not liking that hot heat in Miami. So I just think the Bills are going to recuperate and get back on track. And I think they're going to be just too much for the Ravens. So I have the Bills also winning this game in the lock pick. Good pick there for sure. Now you have the, the one and two Los Angeles Chargers going on the road to play uh, one of uh, a handful of teams that hasn't won a game yet this year. That's the uh, Houston Texans who are 0-2-1. I've got the Chargers uh, bouncing back and winning this game. Yeah, it's hard for me to go ahead and go for the Texans. I agree with you on that one. I have the Chargers winning this game as well. All right, then you have the 1-2 and two Panthers uh, hosting the 1-2 and two Cardinals. This is a tough pick because I feel like both teams have all the right pieces. It's just kind of formulating a way to get them in place. Cardinals have been off to a disappointing start at 1-2. and two. And on the other side, the Panthers, um, you know, with obviously – uh, all the quarterback uh, pieces they picked up over the offseason. You have Matt Rule, who may be coaching for his job. I have the Cardinals uh, coming into Carolina winning this game. Yeah, we agree on that one. I do have the the Cardinals coming in and winning the game, too. I just feel as if the Panthers, they just, they're not reliable to pick on right now as far as going with them. So I, I have also the um, the Cardinals winning this game. All right, this is a matchup that four, four or five years ago would have been uh, one of the hottest tickets in town. That's the Patriots, who right now are one and two, going into Lambeau Field on Sunday afternoon to play the two and one uh, Packers, who are now bouncing back after an zero and one start. This is actually my lock pick for the week. I have the Packers winning this game. I feel it's going to be very hard for New England um, in this sense because you have Mac Jones, who's out indefinitely. Um, they just seem like they're not the same team as they have been in the past. So I have the Packers winning this game on Sunday. Yeah, when it rains, it pours. You know, them losing their quarterback, Mac Jones, a big, big hole to just fill in. And I agree with you. I think the Packers, with their defense, is going to hold on the, the Patriots even more. So I have the Packers winning the game, too. All right, and then the Broncos are going to go into Las Vegas. Broncos are now 2-1. and one. Again, that's a fairly winnable division, I think, at this point, the uh, AFC West. And they're playing a team who's in their division, of course, that's the 0-3 Raiders, who are maybe the most disappointing team in football right now. I've got Denver winning this game. Yes, fortunately, Devontae Adams not going to like this one, i got to say. 
But yes, <laughs> I think Russell is going to do his thing. He's going to make sure he wins. I have I have the Broncos winning too. I have the Broncos keeping the Raiders winless. Next one is a rematch of the Super Bowl from two seasons ago. That's uh, the Chiefs two and one going down here to Tampa. They're playing the Buccaneers. That game will be in Tampa, by the way, Sunday night. There was some talk here earlier in the week that they might move it up to Minneapolis due to the hurricane, but all that stuff is cleared out now and allowed the Bucks uh, and the Chiefs to practice in Tampa or at least uh, keep the game in Tampa Sunday night. I think with the disarray of the Chiefs right now, I think with some of the you know, inner dividings, if you will, of, of the offense of that team and them trying to figure out how to correct it, and Tampa Bay, I mean, they could easily be 3-0 and right now if they'd had a little bit more time here this past Sunday. I have the Buccaneers winning this. A very close game, I, I would remind everybody, but I, I have Tampa Bay winning this game. No, I, I agree with you on that one, too. I have the Bucs winning a very close game. I think the Bucs are going to rebound and bounce back against the Packers. They learn a lot from that. Their defense is solid. They're going to be able to keep Mahomes in check. They don't have Tyreek. I, I got the Bucks winning at home. All right, and then the defending Super Bowl champs on Monday Night Football, the Rams going into San Francisco or Santa Clara, where they technically play, but to play the 49ers, who are 1-2. and two. I feel like the 49ers uh, at this point, you know, you lost uh, Trey Lance in week one. Thankfully for them, as a security blanket or an insurance policy, however you want to look at it, they held on to Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel like that gives them a chance to still potentially turn things around between now and the end of the season, but I feel like the Rams are in a much better position, so I've got – uh, L.A. winning this game. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I have the Rams also winning against the 49ers. I just feel as if the Rams, their defense is, is coming along. I think that Garoppolo, he had Tennessee to throw a couple of picks, throw a pick at least from here to there. I think that's going to be the difference in the game. So I have the Rams winning. Good pick there for sure. And I just counted through here. There are, I believe, six or seven games that we did not agree on. So if you somehow were to get that combination correct and win all seven of those games, then you'd actually take the lead here. So it's going to be interesting to see how this works itself out over the next uh, couple of days. And, of course, uh, by Tuesday morning we'll know who, uh, who won in each of these matchups. So those are our picks for the week. Uh, we certainly appreciate everybody listening in. And I'll throw this out there, too. Uh, these are not for betting purposes, so please do not make uh, any bets on our account. Uh, we are certainly not professionals when it comes to, you know, making these picks. This is an amateur thing only. And, um, you know, if you do happen to win a very large sum of money, we do take donations here, of course. Uh, we can let you know that later on. Um, but moving right along here tonight as we get towards the end of our program, just want to throw out uh, matchups here to you. We won't go too uh, deep into this tonight. Um, but there are some big games here, Alan. Uh, this weekend, you've got uh, just kind of looking through the uh, the listing of matchups. Even though neither one of these teams is ranked, it's still a big matchup. LSU going to Auburn. Uh, that's always a good uh, matchup. Both teams are three and one. Um, one of them will probably be ranked after that game is over with. Uh, number one, Georgia. Uh, they are playing against Missouri. Probably one of the bigger matchups this weekend is number five, Clemson, hosting number 10, North Carolina State. Um, then you look down the list here, and you've got uh, USC, the number six, playing against Arizona State. Oregon is hosting Stanford. Oregon's number 13 in the nation right now. Alabama, uh, they've got a matchup this weekend against 
Let's see here. Alabama is taking on uh, number 20, Arkansas. That should be a very good matchup there. I think uh, Alabama's in a much better position, but this game is in Arkansas, and the Razorbacks have uh, had a really good run the last year or so, so they might give them a a run there. Another big matchup is uh, number nine, Oklahoma State, going on the road to number 16, Baylor. Those two teams played in a conference title game last year that had some ramifications on the uh, college football playoff. Uh, where one of those teams had a chance to get in. So we'll see what happens there. And then uh, one more big matchup here uh, somewhat. It's a ACC battle between number 23, Florida State, and number 22, Wake Forest. Some very exciting football to be played this weekend. And then maybe the biggest matchup in the uh, SEC, I mentioned this one before, number seven, Kentucky. That's not basketball, that's football. Number seven, Kentucky is going on the road to play number 14 Ole Miss. So that'll be a very fun two um, two teams that are polar opposites in a lot of ways. You have Kentucky, who's a defensive-oriented team. Ole Miss is offensive-oriented, so it's going to be kind of a juggernaut there to see on that one. Um, big lover of college football here, of course, so we'd left, uh, definitely love in the future to have any of our college football fans out there call in and uh, discuss with us uh, you know, their thoughts on the upcoming matchups as the weeks go on. So, Alan, I know you have some – boxing news you wanted to get to here tonight go ahead with that yes and you know unfortunately for the boxing fans the terrence crawford versus errol spence fight i got news that that is on hold there's some type of contract hold up and that is very disappointing because this is going to be one of the biggest fights that a lot of the fans want to see i feel as if this is one of the nuances with boxing is that when you have Two guys who say allegedly that they want to fight each other, what they both have said, they just can't make a deal. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. It's frustrating, but I, I will keep you posted on that. And same thing with the Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury. I think Anthony Joshua blew a golden opportunity to fight Tyson Fury. I don't think Anthony Joshua would beat Tyson Fury, but I definitely think he would give it a good fight and it would be a good payday. I don't see why you wouldn't want to take the fight. You're not doing anything anyway. Might as well. And with the Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence, I still have Errol winning that fight if it does get made. That's a big if. But I definitely do think, you know, this is one of the frustrating things about being a boxing fan and covering boxes that, you know, fights that should be really easy to make when one guy wants to fight the other guy. They both verbally say it. It doesn't go into fruition. For some reason, when you go into a contract, things go haywire. I don't understand it, but yeah, I know it's money, but a little bit of something is better than a whole lot of nothing. And it's not even a little bit that you're getting less than the other guy. It's really, you know, ego. One guy might deserve more. So let's get these fights made, boxing fans and boxing promoters. Give the fans what they want to see. Stop all this talking back and forth and no fights. Let's see some action. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point there. And, and definitely a lot of times when you get to that point, too, where it becomes more talk than action and people see that over and over again, they never believe it's going to happen. So it really hurts every side of things, uh, including the money side. So very good point there. Yeah, and that's what, I, I honestly thought – I thought the Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury fight was going to be made – just because of such a great opportunity for Anthony Joshua coming off two losses. He really didn't, he really wasn't deserving of this opportunity, 
but he got a you know a blessing in disguise. I did think the Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence fight would be made, but obviously I had a grain of salt on that, and what I thought was probably not going to be made for some reason, I unfortunately was right on this one. So I'll keep you posted if anything changes, but for now, it's not going to be in November like they said. We'll see if it happens at all come December or at all, period. But I will keep you all up to date on this in the boxing arena. Well, great stuff again tonight as we talked about uh, baseball, NFL, college football, boxing, and, of course, uh, a lot in between there as well. Uh, great show here this evening. I want to thank our good buddy Lou, and, of course, we wish him a speedy recovery from COVID. Um, hopefully he's back with us again next week and is uh, in good health at that point. I want to also, once again, thank our amazing sponsor, Chef G's Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you may need a support group. Tonight, uh, for, uh, for my good buddy Alan, this is Aaron signing off. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Evan and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.